Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. Very good day to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise, Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. Hazel Makuzeni is the producer of the show. And Derek, um, Derek Fordyce is our technical producer for today. Our contact details are 0892-102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now, internationally acclaimed award-winning author, playwright, and poet, Dr. Cindy Magona, joins me in the studio to talk about her latest novel, Chasing the Tales of My Father's Cattle. Also in the studio with me is the founder, one of the founders of Seriti Sasechaba Publishers, Christine Gunta, and their first publication is Chasing the Tales of My Father's Cattle. Then the CEO of Equatorial Congo Airlines and president of the African Airlines Association, Fatima Beina Musa, will talk to me about discussions at their 47th General Assembly, which ended this week. But first. Chew on these wise words. The Lunch Bite on SAFM. I found these words about storytelling, now that I'm going to talk to my best storyteller. They say, storytelling is the song line of a person's life. We need to sing it, and we need someone to hear the singing. Story told, story heard, story written, story read, creates the web of life in words. And that's from somebody called Christina Bolden, who's a story catcher. But somebody once said, I will learn the meaning of hours, for time is short. Who said that? We'll back after this. How you cool down this summer is up to you. We're here to keep things heated. SAFM, keeping the temperature soaring all summer. Few things make us powerful beyond measure. Knowing our constitutional rights is one of of them. Section 14 of the Bill of Rights states that everyone has the right to privacy, which includes the right not to have their person or home searched. Their property searched, their possessions seized, or the privacy of their communications infringed. SAFM, reminding South Africans everywhere that our constitution wasn't designed for the country, but rather for the people in it. And that's what makes us South Africa's news and information leader. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, putting the ladies in the limelight. Putting the ladies in the limelight. You'll excuse me if I gush a bit today because I'm thinking where am I going to sitting in front of me? And I don't know where to begin. I'm so honored to have you here, firstly. Shadow, the honor is all mine. And, and your, your, your skill of writing and storytelling is one that when I read Chasing the Tales of My Father's Cattle, I put the book away so many times because I, I became very emotional. I was I was scared for what would happen to our character, and I wanted to protect her. I wanted to hug her. I wanted to make her feel okay. But you knew it was too late. I knew it was too late to do that. I mean, I cried at some point. I was sitting at the airport, in, in fact, in a plane. I'm reading, and until somebody came and tapped my shoulder and said, "Are you okay?" And I didn't realize my, I was tearing up because, oh. <laughs> because of what I didn't want you me to go through. Now, I, I, I wonder, there's the so many themes that run through the story because it, it's not just talking about one little girl's journey. Um, it, it embraces uh, the topics of Ubuntu, mm-hmm. just who we are. Uh, the, the concepts of patriarchy and what it does to us as women and as a people, the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's so much to read into it. But w- w- you tell the story for a bit because I I I, I don't know. I didn't know a lot about, even though we talk about these things, I didn't know a lot about Ugutwala, for instance, which is a very common occurrence now, but it's done, I discovered from your book, that it's done in the wrong way today. It, it, has, it has become corrupted. Can you tell us about the original idea of Ugutwala? Originally, Ugutwala, really, one has to remember that this was at a time when girls and young women had no other aim or goal in life than to become wives. Mm-hmm. People, my mother's age, my late mother's age, her mother before her and her mother, there was nothing else they were growing up towards mm-hmm. except to become a man's wife. Mm-hmm. They had no other goals. Their families had no other goals for them. So when a man took a, a, a maiden, to make her a wife. Without the permission of parents either. No, the parents would get involved. Mm -hmm. They would be told that same day, there would be people from his home to say, do not look for her. She is not hurt. She is not harmed. And originally, that woman would not be made a wife. The men would not come to know her, to use the biblical Mm -hmm. way, until... Her parents and her clan had given permission, negotiations had started. It was a way of just short-circuiting the procedure of sending the negotiators to ask for this young lady's hand in marriage. Mm. So that you wouldn't go through that long process. You just took the woman, then asked for permission, was granted permission, and negotiations started, then you made her a wife. But even then, uh, without her consent, without her... You know, people didn't marry, didn't... My parents, for instance, people didn't fall in love, Shadow. They became husband and wife, and then the loving started. If it started at all. Usually it did, because the men would make it... You know, they would court. They would make the woman come to respect and love them by mm. the way they treated them. Mm. Yeah? Mm. The courting came afterwards. So today we see Ugutwala as, as just feeling This is where I'm coming. Today's young woman, today's girl, has the whole world in front of her. She has aims and ambitions that have, you know, grandmothers didn't have. Today's we are raising girls to to to, to fly, mm. to become anything they want to be. So it is definitely and decidedly wrong to stop someone else's dreams. Mm. And in the in the in the in the constitution under which we live, in today, people have the right to become whatever they want to be, and it is. And, and it, it has become a corruption and something wrong for a 70-old year man to go and twala a 12-year-old. Mm. The intergenerational sex thing is wrong. It didn't happen then, maybe occasionally. You know, it didn't happen at the same rate as happening now. That, you know. And yet we hear today that it's tradition. No, no. It's tradition corrupted. It's tradition corrupted. 
And this is a man who has a wife or has had three wives and go and steal somebody else's chi- you know, child mm. and say it's tradition. It is not tradition. Mm. You can and traditions change, you know. Tradition is not God made. We mustn't do everything we want to do and then label it tradition. Tradition changes with the changing of times. And definitely this is one that should, we, should, we can do without. But the changes of, of tradition need to be acknowledged by those that make the rules, which is usually the men and, and, and the kings. That's why this Twala tradition hasn't changed, because it benefits men, and they, they want to go on saying this tradition. Tradition also, men traditionally didn't go around planting children all over the place. My father would have been mortified to, to disgrace his family his, by, by having a child out of wedlock to head. Because you are damaging, it's called damaging someone else's daughter. Mm. Tradition forbade that. Do you see that tradition being upheld by today's men? No. So in the book, we let, let's go back to the book because I, I, I tell about, and I don't want us to to give anything away in the book. But I'm going to ask to ask you to read an excerpt because, um, and we're talking here just generally about a young girl who grows up um, in, and and she's. She's uh, brought up by the father, which is what I like, because, you know, um, the relationship they had with the father is, is a very special one. And, and I don't think you find that kind of man anymore in, 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 in our communities. But a very special man. Um, she loses her mom, um, and her father wanted the best for her, even education, which, which was also another issue, because her uncles believe that she... She didn't deserve to go to school because she's she's a woman that's just going to be somebody's wife. Well, the uncles didn't even bother educating their own children, mm. boys and girls. Mm. Mm. But I want you to to, to read, and, and I, I think you must put that into context because I want to hear your voice to give what you you've written uh, some power. Can you read it first? Well, this is a, a day when the girls decide they are going to go up and gather umfino, mm-hmm. you know, wild veg, wild spinach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what happened. And Shumi is one of these girls. And Shumi is our our character, our Mm -hmm. main lead character. To the mountainside to gather Umfino went the maidens ten in number. That summer's morning they went. The recent rains had planted, had painted the hillside green, lush. Lush was the side of the mountain after the rains. Greens plentiful and fat, greens as green can be. Green steel went in pot boiling away. Up the mountains the maidens went, ten in number. Halfway up, pebbles came flying down. Softly, gently but insistent they came. Shumi halted, looked up, halted. When they climbed, she resumed. Behind the others she had fallen. But the higher she went, the more furiously the pebbles rained on her. Again she stopped, halted. Then clearly did she see the stones, not by movement dislodged, came rolling down the surface of the hill. No, the stones flew, hurtled, looked down, deliberate, and sure the aim of whoever sent them, making certain the stones just missed her. Immediate, the knowledge has a warning. Keep off, stay down there, do not come up, do not approach. Up she looked, up. And saw her, saw her mother, clear as clear can be. The mother looked down on her. She looked up, looking at mother, looking at her. For a moment, 
eternity the looks held before the mother deliberately turned around and faced away. The girl felt the mother's tears, hot, 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 hot on her cheeks, her mother's tears, hot, 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 scalding cheeks, hers, her mother's. She didn't run. She didn't move. She certainly didn't go up. She didn't go up that hillside. With all the fino, green as green can be, green hillside after the good summer rains, but Shumi didn't go up the hillside. She didn't go up at all to pluck Umfino. Tears scalded her cheeks, her mother's tears, her mother's cheeks, as she slowly wound her way downhill. But none of the girls brought any Mfino. Ten girls left the village to get Mfino from the hillside. One turned away midway up. She turned back weeping. She turned back, but the others didn't see her tears. She waited for them at the foot of the hill she waited. Suddenly, loud cries reached her. Sounds of frightened feet bounding down the mountainside. Girls leaped over boulders, running for dear life, running, the devil after them, crying, running, running, crying, wide Eyed with fear, they reached Aid, reached waiting. Dombey, out she cried as, at a glance, the wide eyes of the eight clamped shut their mouths. Where is she? Oh, be, she screamed. A cacophony hit her. Yes, a cacophony. Two men, now three, now yes, no, no. Only two. I saw only two. Listen, I think everybody will want to read that story after this because I want you to read the whole book to me now. <laughs> it makes even, it gives it more drama when you read it in your words, in your voice. And it's, it's wonderful, you know, to be able to, to, to hear that. Is the book available now? The book is available. It's out now. Every good bookshop should have mm-hmm. hundreds of copies. And... Are you are you going to be signing books anywhere? Yes, I think uh, is it the eleventh. The eleventh was this. Was the eleventh of December. I'll of be December, doing yes. A, a Cape Town's Christmas book signing. I I think at uh, in Clermont at um, yeah the you, bookshop at there. the bookshop there. And how long did it take you to to? Oh, Shadow, you will not believe this. This is a book that took less than six months to write. <gasps> And this is a first for me. I don't write books in six months and four months and five months. I started the book mid-January. By mid-April, I had three quarters of the book. By mid-May, the book was done. Of course, then there was editing after that, but the book was done. And, and Siriti, how do you, how, how did they find you? How did you find them? The universe works in strange ways. Mysterious ways, don't they? I went and gave a, a keynote. At, uh, at a birthday party of a dear friend who was turning 80 and a former boss, that we are still friends, is by itself a miracle. And there I met Christine, or Christine saw me, found me, discovered me. I, I knew of Christine, but we had never met. Mm-hmm. Then a week or so later, she asked me, she tells me the story of a new publisher. And we would... And she asked me if I would honor them. I would do them the, the, the favor 
do them the favor. They did me <laughs> the favor of writing a novel for them. What a perfect This match. is one of two novels that were in my head for the longest while. And I said, oh, sure. And I thought the other one would come out. When I sat down in Atlanta, where I was, this novel just flew out of me, just came out of me. I am so grateful for it. Well, I'm so glad you found a new home, and we're going to be talking to Christine in a minute. I'm glad you found a new home to tell all those stories, because I'm hoping the next year or so, we've got two or three others coming out of Now that I can write them so fast. (laughs) Now that you can write them so fast. But you must teach us how to write as well. I do that too. Because everybody has the story. I really do. I I am in a program called UWC Creates, Mm -hmm. so it's part of, you know, I'm paid by UWC. Uh, by, by, by the University of the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. But I don't only uh, cater for the students. We also have an outreach program. Anybody who wants to write. There are three of us in the program. I'm one of this team. Mm-hmm. Fantastic team. The other ladies, uh, women are. There's Meg, uh, Dr. Meg van der Merve, who does the English. And Angie Kroch, oh, who wow. doesn't know Angie Kroch, who does the Africans. And Mwamem. I do <laughs> who the doesn't talk. know Mwamem? <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, I do the Isi course. Ma, thank you so much for gracing our studios, and thank you for the book, mainly wonderful, wonderful story. And hopefully um, we can get more and more people reading it. But it really moved me. I cried at reading about Shumi because I could, I suppose, uh, identify with a Shumi somewhere in myself. Coming up, talking to uh, one of the founders of Siriti Sasa Chaba, who published the book, uh, Christine Kunta, after this. Dropping your toast butter side down, load shedding, stepping on Legos, the ever-buffering YouTube video, no airtime, cutting onions, and your phone autocorrecting Mondays to man boobs. That's not real drama. Being kidnapped by terrorists, being murdered at your office, being crippled by industrial sabotage, and generally being stabbed in the back. That is real drama. Isidingo, weeknights at 7 p.m. Find it on SABC3. The amazing Specsavers summer promotion is now on. Get a free pair of single vision prescription sunglasses up to 2,200 rand. That's right, free prescription sunglasses. To qualify, simply purchase an eye test and prescription spectacles from Specsavers. Plus, you can upgrade your free sunglasses to polarized lenses for only 299 rand. Specsavers. For affordable eye care and a whole lot more. Decencies apply. Sizzling conversations and scorching hot music. What more could you want? SAFM, keeping the temperature soaring all summer. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. Very well known for her legal work, and uh, she's now a publisher as well, adding to her accolades. Uh, Christine Kunda, welcome to the. It's so good to see you. You're Thank looking you. wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Strado. Thank How, you for having me. Now, this, this Riti Sase Chaba, um, you know, has published this amazing book by Cindy Way, and she was telling me how, you know, God works in mysterious ways or the universe because mm-hmm. the two of you came together and here it is. But had it always been an idea at the back of your mind? Yes, certainly. I, you know, I published with Scottaville, published my women's book, where I was the editor with Scottaville in the eight in the eighties, yes. Mm-hmm. And what made me incredibly sad was that after nineteen ninety four there wasn't really a black publishing house dedicated to bringing the stories of our lives mm-hmm. um uh, to print. 
and I know Vivli existed, but it's no longer because I wanted, I have two new books and I wanted to publish my book with a black publishing mm-hmm. house. And then, and it's always bothered me. And so I know there was an effort by some people five years ago, but nothing happened. And in 2013, I decided this is it. We can't, we, you know, every time you go into a bookshop, um, uh, you see very few black authors and the depart, the publishing industry association survey shows that in 2012, only 11.9% of authors were black. Mm-hmm. And yet black people, if I use the broad term, constitute 90% of the South African population. Yeah. So that's an abnormal situation. And yes, I think we have problems as a country because we have we don't have a, a big reading culture because we have such a large population that is functionally illiterate um, and books are very expensive. But I think more people would read if they see the stories, the books reflect Mm -hmm. their lived experience. Mm -hmm. And if they don't see that, why should they buy books, you know? And I thought Siriti should change that one step at a time. I was very ambitious because when I met Sisindi, I just (laughs) said, you know, why not, like, Start off with a bang. <laughs> so I approached her and I said, we're starting this black publishing house. We want to publish in indigenous languages and in English. Um, would you consider publishing with us? Mm. And she said, let's talk. And then I went to see her just before she went to the U.S. And she said, I've got two books, like she said to mm. me. Mm. And she came back with us. I was amazed. And we, I mean, it took us five months. You know, other publishers take a year. To, <laughs> took us five months. I was so excited. I couldn't sleep for weeks that she had agreed. But um, now you say Scott uh, Will shut down and the... the Vivian. Vivian shut down. How... How are you going to sustain yourselves? What were their problems? Why did they shut down? You know, publishing is not very profitable. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, and I can see that, especially now that we've done. Um, so unless you have airport literature or sex and violence, mm-hmm. um, books don't sell. So it's really a labor of love. Mm-hmm. And you have to have an audience um, that buy, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we've incorporated ourselves as an NPC. Vivlia was operating as a profit-making company. Okay. And it's very difficult because the market is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And so it takes time to change that. Um, Scotterville, I'm not quite sure why they collapsed because they were an NPO. Um, I'm not sure, but Jackie Soroka is involved with us. He's the director. Oh. Because um, he was a Scotsman. Yes, he was. He was, and they did very well. If mm. you remember, they published uh, um, um, Miriam Chadi. They published um, Loretta Nobo. Mm. They they really brought to the fore some of the best in literature. And you know, when you think about it, in 1884, John Tengo Jabavu, John Soga. Saul Plaki, all those people started African languages newspapers. They did research at in times when things were extremely difficult for mm. black people, you know, at the height of colonial domination. Mm. So we have no excuse. And, you know, I wanted Siriti to build on that legacy. And what Are we, we bringing those back? Are we finding those stories to bring them it's, back? It's one of the projects. And you see, funding obviously is an issue. Um, but we, we, we're so lucky because... 
um, uh, Anglo Gold Ashanti, when we first applied, they gave us the funding, and it's because of them that Sisindi's book is out now. Okay. So you know, obviously one has to be grateful and mass smart also then when there was a shortfall. But I think funding is the important thing. But I, I do believe that one of the things we want to do, we have a strategic three-year plan, and one of the r- things we would like to do is to republish classics in mm. African languages. Mm. That's definitely one of our projects. Okay, please do stay with me uh, while we take news headlines because I want us to talk about the kind of stories you are looking for and the kinds of people that can approach you uh, mm-hmm. to, to publish their stories. Um, we're coming back to continue our conversation with Christine Kunta. It is time for news headlines with Sir Otsile Sako. Thanks, Shadow. Good afternoon. Fifteen of the 16 students arrested at the University of the Western Cape have been granted bail of 3,000 rand each. Johannesburg Water has implemented water restrictions between midnight and 4 o'clock in the morning in the northern suburbs. And the Equality Court in Stellenbosch has ruled that it will be proceeding with an inquiry into whether Paul Roos Gymnasium discriminated against the Kayamlandi mother when it refused her son admission earlier this year. Details at 2 o'clock. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. My guest is uh, one of the founders of Seriti Sase Chaba Publishers, a new publication house, and Christine Kunta is in the studio with me. Um, talking about the kinds of stories you would like uh, to, 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 to publish uh, at Seriti and, and, and you know, how, how to get funding as well, because now that you've started, I think all of us are very excited to bring stories to you, mm-hmm. stories that have been uh, dormant, sitting dormant, because there were no people interested in them, and you are interested. What's the process in, in, in reaching out to Sariti? Well, as I said, we, we, we sort of basically did this on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, the only requirement we had that it must be very good quality, and I promise you, Cindy, when you publish with us, it will be no different from when you publish with an established publisher. The quality will be high. The finish will be high. You had to learn very quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> in five months, I learned what it is, the production line. But it's, it's very exciting because, you know, if you have passion for something and it has to be done, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, people asking us, but if in 1884 people started an African mm-hmm. language newspaper, why didn't you do anything? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have that on my conscience. Yeah. Um, I think what the kind of stories we want are the stories that, exhibit a range of our experiences as black people. Um, It isn't just about poverty and it isn't just about crime and violence. Mm. It's about that, but it's also about we are normal people. We experience everyday things. We've achieved great intellectual heights. Mm. I'd like to, to publish intellectual works. I'd like to publish exceptional stories. I'd like to publish those stories, particularly in people's mother tongues, Mm. because so much gets lost when you write in English, you know, and so we'll have in English, but I think from 2017, we are definitely going to publish, and we will, this will be done in Kosa, this um, Mm. it will be translated, but um, so we want a range of stories at the moment, because we've just literally set up we don't have a structure, but we will do what other publishing houses do. So if you submit your manuscript to us, um, we will give it to readers. Mm-hmm. And we are busy in the process of setting that up. Mm-hmm. 
and and we basically look mostly non-fiction, um, but also really good fiction because for me the important is we want excellence. We're not going to publish it just because you're black. <laughs> um, we're going to publish it if it's well done and if it is a story that needs to be told. And if if one is listening to you now and thinking, oh, I'd like to put my money into that publishing house. Oh, we'd be very happy. <laughs> we'd be very happy to receive. And, and what we've done, as I say, Anglo Gold Ashanti really trusted us because, you know, people talk and, mm. then, and they don't follow through. Mm. And what we are looking at at is is getting sufficient public um, funding for three years so that we can plan and structure projects. Um, for instance, next year, we, one of the things we will do is we've talked to Peter, uh, Rep. Peter Magubani, and mm-hmm. he's going to he's going to give us some never before published photographs, and we're just finalizing discussions with him. So we're going to do a coffee table. So we really want to publish. For the first year, anyway, well-known um, writers and authors. And then after that, we would like to publish both old and new authors. We, we will have a program, yes. How do people find you? Well, as I say, we... You're doing your legal work <laughs> in this. <laughs> Look, yeah, you know, it's, this is my part-time. Um, they can contact us on info at Siritisaschaba. We don't yet have a website. We are working on that now. Mm-hmm. But they can email us at info at Sariti which yeah. means dignity of the dignity nation. of the nation. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. This is wonderful. And thank you so much for stopping by <laughs> and visiting me during my hour. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. And, and, and this book is, is at all good bookstores. It's you know, all good bookstores. You mentioned earlier that our people don't read, and, and I think that's why exclusive books shut down in Soweto, apparently. Is it? At, at, at uh, Moponya Mall, because just people are I, not back. I think it's about also marketing shadow. If I could just take one minute and... Mm. In 1974, James Matthews, here in Cape Town, Mm. published a book called um, Black Voices Shout, and it was poetry from a range of people. And we anticipated, you know, I was an activist in Sasso and BBC, and we anticipated that the book would be banned. You know what we did? We went onto the corner of the streets, Athlone, Cooks, Langa. We sold that book, poetry book, on the corner in English, and people bought, I think there was a thousand copies. Within two weeks, they bought out. And yes, it was banned after two weeks, but we had sold all the <laughs> copies. So I think it's about, is the story relevant to me? Um, can I relate to the story and marketing and distribution? Mm-hmm. But you don't have to stick to the conventional channels mm-hmm. of distribution. So I think it's necessary to be a bit innovative in doing that. And, and it's possible. I, black people do, it's not true that black people do not read. Well, I testify to that as well. And I know that Sarita Sassichaba is going to be here for a very long time because you've thought about it, you've done your research, and you, you, you know your target market. Thank you, Christine, for Thanks, joining us. Thank you. That's Christine Kunta. Yeah. Info at Sariti Sassichaba is where you will find uh, more information on, on Sariti. And uh, when I come back, we're talking to Fatima Beina Musa, who is already on the line after this. Bookings are open for Paul Slabalefsi's hilarious roller coaster ride of a comedy for your ears only. Presented by Durban's Playhouse Company from the 9th to the 23rd of December, this delightful play set in a radio drama studio takes audiences behind the scenes, exposing the madness and mayhem, intrigues and intricacies involved in the recording of a popular weekly radio soap. 
This acclaimed production, originally commissioned by SAFM and enjoying a highly successful nationwide tour, stars Michael Richard, Michael Britton, Sibusiso Khadebe, Louise St. Clair, Becky Nkadi, Ronwin van Khan, and Paul Slab. If side-splitting laughter is your bag, book now. Special rates are available for block bookings and charities. Book at CompuTicket or call the Playhouse box office on 031-369-9596. Shadow Twilight on SAFM. The CEO of Equatorial Congo Airlines and President of the African Airlines Association, Fatima Baina Musa. Hello, Fatima. Yes, hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for taking time to talk to us. Thank you. I'm uh, delighted to be with you. Now you've just finished a a, um, a meeting of of about 400 executives from from airlines in in Brazzaville, um, having various discussions. Uh, how did that go? It went very well. In fact, we had a very good attendance of 500 people from all over the world and from African airlines to discuss the challenges of the, you know, the aviation industry of Africa. And we spent three marvelous days together in Brazzaville, and our debates are very rich, very rich. Talking about the challenges of of the aviation industry in Africa, can you just give us a bit of a profile of what you're dealing with? We have a problem of the African sky not being liberalized as it is in the other parts of the world. We have a, a continent where if you are an African airline and you need to do flights between two countries that are not yours, you need to, you know, ask for a lot of authorizations and do a lot of paperwork and go to the national civil aviation of the country, whereas in the other parts of the world, on the other continent, it's really about open skies now where the airlines of the continent can go wherever they want on that continent. So we need to open up our sky much more to African airlines themselves. Well, this is why I suppose it's the reason for us flying. If I need to go to uh, the Congo right now, I may need to go to Paris first or any other European city before I and, and come back into the continent. Yes, the problem is that's another problem that we also have is that we don't have that many connections on the continent. We could do much more and connect more African cities between themselves. But what you find in Africa is that it's easier for you to fly outside of Africa because you you sometimes have daily flights to Paris or to Dubai or to London, whereas you don't have daily flights between African uh, capitals. So you you sometimes need to fly out of Africa and come back. So we discussed also this issue, and we are thinking that really we need to cooperate much more between ourselves, the airlines of Africa, to find ways to give more connections to African passengers. During your tenure, though, as president of the African Airlines Association, you've had opportunities mm-hmm. to meet uh, uh Africa's political leaders um, and, and mm-hmm. you know, other uh, thought leaders and, and powerful um, decision makers. Have mm-hmm. you broached this subject with them at all? 
Yes, of course. I've uh, had the chance to meet uh, Mrs. Kotanzana Dlamini Duma, the chairperson of the African Union Commission, and other people like the Director General of IATA or the Secretary General of the International Civil Aviation Organization. And we really spoke about all these problems, and I asked them to really help us, African airlines, go forward because we, all the all um, all the things I'm talking about, everybody knows about it, but if, and nobody is really doing that much to change things. So I wanted to take the opportunity of being the president of the African Airlines Association to speak with those people and find ways, pragmatic ways, to change the life of African passengers. And I'm happy that the, you know someone like Mrs. Kosazana Laminizuma, she's so aware of what's happening, and she knows that as, as the commissioner, as the president of the Commission of the African Union, she has a role to play, and in fact, she has started playing that role because she 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 was able to bring eleven states together to commit to the opening of the skies of Africa, and this is a good start. Now, has air traffic grown over the years in in, in Africa, and? Do we do we see a lot of uh, passengers or the passenger numbers growing, of, you know, into into the continent as, as flyers? Yes, the the numbers are really growing. What Africans need is really to be able to travel across Africa. Mm. They have the opportunities of uh, flying out of Africa, as I was saying before. But what they they really are, are asking for now is that they, they, they want more possibilities, opportunities, solutions to travel across Africa so that they can strengthen business ties inside Africa and also, you know, travel for tourism, vacation, holidays. They really need that. And that's what our challenge now as African Airlines is to give them much more, much more frequencies and flights. And flights. So, Fatima, I, how are we going to make sure that all these negotiations you've had continue? Because I hear now that you, you're stepping down. Yes, I'm, I'm stepping down. That's normal because my mandate was only for a year. Now uh, I was replaced by my colleague, the CEO of Air Zimbabwe, and I really trust that he will be pushing forward all these things that have started there's also the Secretary General of uh, the African Airlines Association itself, the people who are doing the work, the daily work of uh, working for African Airlines and bringing us together and lobbying for us. They, they are doing the job. So I'm not, I'm not the only one. I just tried to, you know, <laughs> to push the things a little bit while I was the president. But I'm sure that everybody is doing uh, what they have to do. Also, airlines themselves are getting closer, like Acare and Kenya Airways, which decided to cooperate much more together to try to find synergies, to think, to find new solutions so that we can bring more solutions to the, to the passengers. Well, are you going to be flying to South Africa soon? Yes, I hope so, anytime soon. But for, for the moment, we have a South African Airways doing a, Great flight between Brazzaville and Johannesburg, and I use that flight quite often. <laughs> well, we hope to see you when you are in South Africa as well. I really thank you for your time, and well done with thank with the work much. you've done so far. And I'm I'm sure we'll hear from you again. Thanks, Fatima.
Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Take care now. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. That's Fatima Baina Musa, CEO of the uh, Equatorial Congo Airlines. And she's just stepped down as president of the African Airlines Association uh, after their 47th General Assembly. We'll take a little break now. Here's some Simpiwa Dana before our children's program. Dana, you're my light. Beautiful song that uh, it is now time for Shop Shop.